really glad to be with you guys, you guys joining us online here in person. And we are, this is our Christmas series, man. Christmas is the celebration of the reason for our faith. And scripture defines faith as the assurance of, of things hoped for and the confidence in things not seen. seen. Uh, some versions kind of tweak those words a little bit and, and talk about um, being sure of what we hope for and being certain, like those words, sure and certain. And as I was thinking about Christmas and thinking about our world and, and what the Christmas story brings to us, just those ideas of, of certainty um, kind of juxtapose with the, the craziness of, of the world around us. And we're going to take a look at, uh, it's roughly 30 verses in the book of Luke. And sometimes it's called uh, the Mary's Magnificat, Mary's Song, but it's basically Mary, the mother of Jesus, singing a worship song. And it, um, it talks about the characteristics of God that she's experienced, that she's known in her life, and that she looks forward to um, her son, who will be the Messiah, exhibiting. So before we get to Mary and, and Jesus, we need to um, get a little bit of the backstory. We need to talk about a couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth. So Zechariah um, had a pretty significant job. He was a priest. And he, um, there were certain roles and responsibilities that the priests had to fulfill. And there was this one particular one that was so, uh, so special, so important, that not every one of the priests would get to do it throughout the course of their, their lifetime. There were thousands of priests at this time, but um, they, they didn't all get to perform this service. One night while Zachariah was performing this particular service in the temple, the angel Gabriel appears to him, and he tells him, that his wife is going to have a child. Now, a couple things you need to know about that. Zechariah and Elizabeth are both old. Um, I said last week, I used the phrase, they're old, old. They're like really old. They are well beyond childbearing years. Um, so it's an angel. That's kind of uh, unique in and of itself, appearing to Zechariah as he's going about his priestly duties. And he tells them that they're going to have a child. And Zechariah kind of questions the angel. He's like, you sure? You got the, you got the, the right couple? Um, and the angel's like, no, it's, it's you. And um, because you didn't believe me, you know, you're not going to be able to talk for a little while. And then he um, kind of leaves, leaves Zechariah. Zechariah goes and you know, communicates to, to Elizabeth, and um, they conceive a child. And that child, just as the angel had told Zechariah, grows up to be John the Baptist. And the Hebrew Bible tells us that John the Baptist is the one who comes to prepare the way for the Messiah, to prepare the way for Jesus. All right, so that's kind of, we need that backstory before we get into the, the text of, um, that we're going to dive in closer at. So Joe, if you advance to that next slide, you should have a play button up there. Got it? All right, here we go. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. 
you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, since I am a virgin? The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. All right, so <clears throat> that is um, the prelude, prelude to and, and Mary's song. And it's such an amazing, um, it's an amazing attestation to her, to her faith and the, the certainty that she had. But in order for us to really, um, really grasp that, I think we have to get our, our, our minds around the kind of uncertainty that she lived in and positioning those two things next to each other really, really kind of exemplifies, um, will help us understand what the, just the depth of, of what Mary's song is. So the first thing I want to point out to you is the, the point in time at which Mary lived, right? So this is roughly 4 BC. Um, she lived in Israel, in Jerusalem, around that area, and it was a part of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire had appointed a dictator named Herod the Great, right? And they called him King of the Jews. He was um, totally in cahoots with this occupying army. Um, he was brutal in the way he ran things. He was paranoid, like out of his mind paranoid. He had several members of his immediate family killed because he was afraid they would try to take his, take his throne from them. Um, so scholars tell us that 
Mary and in the world to which Jesus would be born was basically a third world military dictatorship. The, the society was, um, it was on the constant verge of, of revolt and, and riot. Riots were commonplace. The people were so, there was injustice just baked into the system. The top 10% of the, the cultural stratosphere controlled everything. And the, the bottom 90%, most of whom lived in poverty. That would include Mary and Joseph and, and, and Jesus. The, the Jewish culture was fracturing into, into pieces. There were a group called the Essenes, and they wanted nothing more than just get away from the world, go out into the desert, and pray and sing and study and just not be contaminated by the world. Um, then there were the zealots who wanted to get back to the ways of their Jewish ancestry by physical violence. They wanted to overthrow the Romans that were occupying their territory. There was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There were religious leaders, but they kind of believed differently, especially about the Messiah and, and things like life after, life after death. And they were just, the, the society was just um, fracturing into, into pieces. That was her, her moment. Um, or the, the society's moment, her circumstances, right? So we think about Mary was, text, some versions say betrothed to a man named Joseph. That means at that point in time in Hebrew marriage, Jewish marriage, there was the engagement, which is just like it sounds, right? Someone, someone proposes. Then there was the betrothal, at which point there was a ceremony, like vows, vows were exchanged and there was a commitment that, that was made. That's the point that Mary and Joseph were at. However, they don't, they're not um, pursuing the next part of their life together. The bride goes home to, to her family. The groom goes back to his family, usually like building an addition onto dad's house, something like that, creating a space for he and his wife to start their own family together. And then at some point, it's not determined ahead of time when the, the groom is ready, he goes and he gets his bride. So under the law, Mary was considered married. Um, and so this, we come into play the Mosaic law, right? She, um, she broke a part of the law that the punishment for which was capital punishment. She could have been killed, right? She committed adultery or would have been perceived, right, as her committing adultery because She's pregnant, it wasn't through Joseph, so the only natural explanation would be that she had committed adultery. Um, so she's entering into marriage, not a virgin, she committed adultery, and that was punishable by death. Her moment was tumultuous and uncertain. Her personal circumstances were tumultuous and uncertain. And there had been a silence of God. It had been 400 years since the people of God, the Israelites, had heard from God. Previous to that point, God walked with his people. He spoke to them through prophets and priests, through signs and wonders. He made himself very, very known to them. And then there was silence, nothing for 400 years until Gabriel, an angel of the Lord, shows up and starts communicating to Zechariah and to Mary. All those things kind of whirling around Mary, those bits of, those bits of uncertainty. And we, could, we can look at that and feel like, I really can't relate to that. That was a long time ago. 
whatever variety of reasons. But the truth of the matter is, is that this side of Mary's story is very much all of our stories. Right? We think about our current cultural moment. We're still in the throes of a pandemic, wrestling with new variants and all of the nonsense that goes around with, with that. Um, we have a, an unprecedented level of social unrest Right, the the anger and the division and the and the hatred that just spews out on social media and in all all the different shapes and forms, um, our our country is at a place that it's never been in before. This moment is is unique. That's our corporate experience, and then we each have our own personal uncertainties. Right, we have things at work like deadlines, we have things at school like tests and papers, or we have games coming up, things that we, we have no, no control over, all the pieces that go into it. As we think about that stuff, we think about things like maybe you have a, a child that's struggling, maybe you have parents, a parent that's aging, and you're going to have to care for them, you have to figure out what that means. For all of us, there is the the seemingly constantly increasing pace of change. Things are always changing at work, at home, at church. Things are always changing, and it can feel really uncertain. We have all of that whirling around us, right? So <clears throat> I think there's, there's point-in-time uncertainty. There's certain experiences, and then there's kind of like the just overarching uncertainty that, that is always there. Um, I will take you back to a silly little example. Um, picture me as a seventh grader, if you will. And this is the first girl that I ever asked out. We will call her Ingrid because she still lives in the area. We don't want um, <laughs> to embarrass her. Ingrid, yes. Um, so I, I think that if we had seven classes throughout the day, we were in like four or five of them together. And she was cute and funny and smart and popular, like all the stuff that I wasn't. But for whatever reason, we ended up sitting next to each other in a lot of classes. And we talked and we were friends. And um, you know, I would like stretch out of my comfort zone a little bit. Back then, there was no such thing as caller ID. I would like call her and, like, when we were at home. But then I would hang up because I got afraid to talk to her. Um, <clears throat> so I was like, I was just all torn up. I didn't know what to do. And finally, I'm like, OK, all right. I'm going to ask this girl out. Had the plan in place. We had math together, seventh period. It was the end of the day. Her locker was right outside the math class. And I, that's when I was going to ask her out. And so the bell rings, and my heart starts to race. But everything slows down. It's like I'm just like, and just like this. And I, her locker just seemed like it was 3,000 miles away, and like I was never getting there. And at some point in there, she made eye contact with me. So I'm making this horribly awkward like walk towards her. <clears throat> and I get up to her. And again, there's, you know, there's hundreds of kids in the, in the hallway. And they're all going about their business. The kid at his locker next to her, banging into us. And finally, like, I, have, I, like, I blank. I, I have no recollection of this. But I'm assuming that I said something to the effect of, hey, will you go out with me? Because what came out of her mouth was, well, could I think about it? And that was like, okay, thanks. And I left. <laughs> right? All, like, what was she going to say? What were her friends going to say? What were my friends going to say? What was she going to, like, I didn't know if she was going to say yes. I didn't know if she was going to say, I thought she was going to say no. I would never anticipated that she was going to say, can I think about it? <clears throat> if you're curious, come Monday, like, 
she didn't come up to me. I had to go up to her, and she's like, yeah, no. So that was... <laughs> But, right, like, so the, the certainty that goes around, just everyday stuff of life, right? Everyday, everyday events. And then there's kind of bigger picture stuff. Like, I'm at the point in my life now where my kids are more or less grown and pretty much out of the house, although I feed one of them regularly. I don't... Um, so what am, I what am I supposed to do, right? I have this role as a father throughout, throughout their lives. Right? Am I supposed to help them? Am I supposed to bail them out when they get in trouble now? How am I supposed to... How, if I am, how am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to celebrate with them when, when they succeed? What role do I play in their life now so that it's appropriate for them, it benefits them, and it's good for our relationship? Lots and lots of uncertainties. No, no shortage of uncertainties. So our, our experience, although the specifics are different, is very much like Mary's. So now, now we get to look at the certainty that Mary had. And the beauty of her certainty is it's found in God. It's not about Mary. It's about God, right? <clears throat> so I, I mentioned that verse from Hebrews 11. I butchered trying to paraphrase it back to you. Here it is in writing. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Hebrews 11, chapter 1. I want you guys to walk away today. God works through what we can see to help point us to what we can't, right? And as we look at the things that Mary points out in her song, the first thing that we notice from that passage of Scripture is Mary went to visit Elizabeth, right? Mary knew Elizabeth. They were related. Um, she went to see her because she was older. She had more experience. They were having a shared experience of this unexpected pregnancy with these children who were supposed to fulfill these amazing roles within God's plan of salvation. She turned to somebody else to walk with her through this period of uncertainty. She had God's word. An angel of the Lord said to her, right, no, for no word from God will fail. Right, how awesome is that? An assurance from God, that direct word from God, for no word from God will ever fail. On top of that, as we look at, um, oh, by the way, you guys should have gotten one of these when you, when you walked in. If you, if you didn't, um, you can put your hand up and get like, could you, like, you guys all got one? That's amazing. Oh, Johnny needs one. Okay. Um, but as you look at, at her song, right, this is filled, filled with references to the Old Testament. Mary knew the promises that God had made. Mary knew the promises that God had made and fulfilled. She knew the experiences of her people. She knew how God had acted on behalf of her people because it was captured in the Bible that she had at that point, in the scrolls of the, the Hebrew scripture. Um, God's word plays a huge role in allowing Mary to move forward in that uncertainty, providing certainty through his word. All right. The other thing that Mary does, and I don't know it, if you're not paying attention, you almost miss it. And my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. She confesses her need for a savior by calling somebody a savior. It implies that you need saving. She turns to God and she's rejoicing the fact that he's going to save her, not of anything that she does, not of her own doing, nothing she can earn, nothing she can accomplish, but 
God is going to save her. She's going to play a significant role in that by being the mother of the Messiah, but she recognizes the fact that she needs saving. All right. Um, God's power. Again, Mary, through the stories of the Hebrew Scriptures, she knows what God has done, right, in terms of creation, in terms of what he has done to create a people for himself in the nation of Israel so that he could bless the rest of the world through this people, through the nation of Israel. And Jesus is going to be the representative of that nation that fulfills all all of those promises. Uh, I think Mary uses the phrase, uh, with his arm, right? He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. That speaks to God's power. And finally, God's faithfulness. And we talked a little bit about Mary's kind of socioeconomic status, the, the poverty that existed. And Mary recognizes that God lifts up the humble and brings down the proud. He lifts up the lowly and takes the, the high off of their, off of their perches. Um, God is faithful in his loving kindness. Right, The Hebrew word, and I, I apologize, hesed, right? This, this uncompromising, inalterable, just unbreakable love that God has for us. That Mary remembers that in this song, and she calls it out. And, you know, we might call it self-talk today, but she's reminding herself, she's reminding us of the love that God has for her, this unshakable, perfect, relentless love that God that God has for her. God's people, God's word, Mary's need of God, God's power, God's faithfulness. Those are the things that allows Mary to move forward in the face of all that uncertainty with the faith and the confidence that she sings about. What is really key here for us is the, what Elizabeth says to Mary. Right? She says, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. That word believe, it is um, something held so resolutely that it compels you to action. It compels you to action. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. That's what allowed Mary to move forward. Right? That's what allows us to move forward in the face of our uncertainties. Blessed are you who believes in what the Lord, that the Lord fulfills his promises. Blessed, blessed are you. So all of this, God's people, God's word, his power, his faithfulness, his ability to be our saviors as a people and as individuals, it's not just for super Christians. Right? It's not something we have to wait to die, to experience, this is available to us here and now. Right? And this can feel kind of ethereal or nebulous or whatever hard. So I want to give you some really specific uh, action steps, things you can do this week to help make this certainty a reality for you. Right? So the first one, God's people. I want you to call somebody up and invite somebody out to coffee, lunch, beers, breakfast, whatever, and be really intentional about having a conversation with them. Check in with them. If you guys have spent any time with me, you've probably been asked this question by me. Hey, how's things going with you and Jesus? Right? Ask somebody that question. Ask, what is God saying to you lately? And what have you been doing about it? Or what are you going to do about it? 
be really intentional about spending time with God's people in that, um, in that way. God's word. So we had these printed up for you. I would encourage you to read this at least once daily between now and Christmas. Right? Maybe even ramp that challenge up a little bit. Commit that to memory. The song itself is only 10 verses. Commit that to memory. And so you can, like Mary, you can recall all those attributes of God, all the things that he's done and all the things that, that points to that he, that he will do. God's power and his faithfulness. I want you to make a couple of lists. Right? I want you to make a list of all the times that God has come through for you. Right? And as part of that list, in a way of like expressing to God how we feel about him, I want you to write down all the attributes of God that you are aware of, that you have experienced, whether it's his goodness or his grace or his forgiveness or his patience, whatever it might be. And then I want you to make another list. And I want you to make a list of those things of how you want to experience God moving forward. Are there things that you feel like you need God to do to come through for you in your life and to write those things down? And, um, and finally, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of lead us in, in a prayer to do this, but to regularly confess our need for God. Right? The psalmist says that, um, Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. That we would, um, you know, that's kind of what starts a relationship with Jesus, but it's also what carries on that relationship with Jesus, a recognition of our ongoing, my friend Norbert would say, moment by moment need for God's grace in our lives, right? Grace isn't just what saves us, it's what sustains us, right? So we pray and we come before God and we, we admit that we need saving, that we need him in our lives to do the things that he has for us to do, to do the things that he wants us to do. God's people God's word, his power, his faithfulness, and him as our willing and more than capable Savior. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this place, uh, for, the, for the warmth of it, and um, just the time to worship you in song and to, and to be together. God, we thank you for Mary and for her example, for her humility, for her gratitude. Um, God, that she would just, this, this hero of our faith would just express such need for you. God, we thank you for her knowledge of your word. Would you make us the kind of people that just desire to know your Bible better so that we might live with you and for you? And God, mostly we just, we come before you and we say we need you, Lord. We need you to forgive us. God, we need you to be the leader of our lives. We need you to provide direction. And we need you to give us the courage to follow you wherever you might call us to go. Lord Jesus, we need you. In your name we pray. Amen.